This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Women in Engineering Success Stories from STEM Professionals. In this episode, I will be talking with three distinguished professionals from Stanley Consultants. We have with us Catherine Faptis Benoit, Vice President and Interim Water Market Leader at Stanley Consultants, who will delve into the significance of mentorship, active involvement in professional societies, and the value of diverse viewpoints in solving engineering challenges. Next, We'll have Sarah Zarzecki. She's the Transportation Design Department Manager, who will share her inspiring journey through the engineering world and the development of her distinct leadership staff. And finally, we have Melissa Etzel-Tiedemann. She's a Business Development Manager and Senior Environmental Planner, who will bring a unique perspective on her journey as a non-engineer navigating the complexities of engineering firm over two decades. I'm your host, Tiffany Tichi, a senior mechanical engineer, STEM advocate, TEDx international speaker, and an internationally recognized author of children's books, which includes What Can I Be? STEM Careers from A to Z and the STEM Crew Kids Adventures series. I also host the Read It Right radio show on WDRB Media. I'm the owner of Thrive Edge Publishing and owner publishing consultant of Inspired Authors Publishing. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, Stanley Consultants. For over a century, Stanley Consultants has been at the forefront of engineering innovation, relentlessly committed to improving lives and building a resilient future. We collaborate with government agencies, utility providers, and private industries to solve some of the most complex challenges in energy, infrastructure, and more. We put people first, leveraging cutting-edge technology and multidisciplinary expertise to deliver differently and exceed expectations. Be a part of our journey to create a connected, sustainable, and enriched world for all. Get in touch with our Stanley Consultants team today. Today, I have with me Kate Dispanoik, Sarah Zarsicki and Melissa Edsel Tiedemann. And I want to say welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. Well, Kate, Sarah, and Melissa, welcome to the show. Can you briefly introduce yourself to the listeners and explain what you do on a daily basis? Sure, I'll start us off. Um, so I'm Kate Despinoy. I have uh, 16 years of engineering consulting experience, six of which have been with Stanley Consultants in their water market. And I've served in various roles in my career thus far from being a designer and engineer to a project manager and more recently business development. And I've worked in various areas of consulting, including land development, municipal engineering, federal, and water and wastewater. And I'm currently serving as a client service manager and project manager. So I bring new business into the water market, but I also continue to manage and stay very technically involved on certain projects. I can go next. Hi, I'm Sarah Zarzecki. I'm a civil engineer with about 20 years of experience in the transportation engineering industry. I began my career designing trails, intersections, and highways. And now I lead Stanley Consultants Colorado transportation team. 
My daily activities include project management, team management, business development, and client coordination. I'm Melissa Tiedemann. Um, much like Kate, I've kind of migrated my way through the the profession, I guess. Um, I am the only one, I guess, on here that's not an engineer, um, but I have been working in the engineering industry for over 20 years. Um, I started my career working for a municipality as um, part of their planning and zoning um, department, but uh, we worked hand in hand with the engineering department there. So I kind of uh, feel like my entire career I've been working with engineers. I am a business development manager with Stanley, but I'm also an environmental planner. Um, and that's the department that I work with here mostly. Um, I've been here for 17 years in April. So um, it's it's been a, a, a trip, but it's really hard for me to put um, a good finger on what I do here on a daily basis because I will say that no two days are really the same. But I do mostly handle, um, much like Kate, uh, you know, contracts, uh, meeting with clients, trying to bring in new business, uh, trying to keep those clients happy so that we can get repeat business. And then also, you know, on, on the other days, I'm also leading projects, um, the environmental lead for a lot of federal projects. Um, so, I mean, that's why I guess I've been here for 17 years is because no two days really look the same. And I understand that as far as you never know <laughs> what the day is going to be like uh, from a database. So thank you for sharing that, ladies, um, as far as your, you know, daily basis, because it does change. I can I get that from my experience in this industry itself. So, Melissa, let's while you're still there, let's talk about it. Can you share your initial challenges you face as a female non-engineer in an engineering company? Well, I will say um, the challenges that I faced have been very similar to those of other women, engineer and non-engineer, in any STEM career. You know, as much as we would like to say that there's no bias, I do feel like there is an sometimes unconscious bias. It's not intentional. You know, I don't think it's malicious. It's just it, it does tend to influence people's opinion of, oh, they see a woman. They don't technically or they don't think that you're technically um, you know, capable sometimes of doing doing that work. Quickly, I'll illustrate that. Uh, when I first started my career working for a municipality, I was part of the planning and zoning staff. And a lot of times I would get to uh, the service counter to meet with a person from the public to answer their question. And they were like, no, no, we don't need the secretary. I need a planner. And I'm like, well, I, I am a planner. No, I need a real planner. And that's good to know <laughs> because I've been also known, like you said, from a non-engineer to being an engineer, it's something about being considered an admin and taking notes and all that. And it's that stigma. And so thank you for sharing that example because it does come with it when it comes down to that experience itself. As we go into it, as far as continuing on, Kate, while I have you there, how has seeking out mentors at different stages of your career impacted your professional growth? And what advice would you give to finding the right mentor? Sure. So it's very important to seek out mentors throughout your career because you never stop learning. And for me, I've found supporters to seek input from that have helped me build my confidence and then also probably my longevity in my career. Um, so my mentors have changed um, and grown in number as I've moved along in my career. Uh, they've helped me from a technical technical, managerial, and then also a sales growth perspective. Um, in terms of advice, I think it's very important. I think it can be intimidating for particularly younger members, but you should ask your boss to help you find a mentor within your company. 
Um, more importantly, I also think it's very, very involved for uh, younger engineers, female engineers to get involved in their local and professional society or, you know, national professional societies. Many companies, including Stanley, Stanley um, you know, offer uh, mentorship. And so I, I think it's, it's really great to take on that opportunity. And then from a professional um, society standpoint, they also have these programs and can help cultivate future leaders and women engineers. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there that people can take advantage of. It's just it's just asking the right person. That's it. Asking the right person. I mean, and it, and the step is asking. I think a lot of them don't even do the asking part. So I think that's awesome that you said just ask um, and see if they will be willing to be a mentor. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's some great points. Now, Sarah, let's talk about this engineer and this career. Um, what inspired you to pursue a career in engineering? And how did you realize it was the right path for you? Yeah, I think a lot of people end up taking a pretty circuitous route to engineering. And um, fortunately for me, I think it was a pretty straightforward path. And I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Um, growing up, I had really always gravitated towards math and science and really understanding how things work. Um, I still like understanding how things work and, you know, why we're doing the things we're doing. But engineering at its core is problem solving. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to attend an engineering outreach program, and it just really solidified what I wanted to do. I was really able to see the practical applications of civil engineering. And for me, it's a really tangible type of engineering and um, other types are a little less tangible and more math and science based. Um, but for me, this is what works. And I could see and where that was going to head me um, through the rest of high school and then through college as well. That's awesome. And I love how you tapped into starting early by doing those engineering outreach. I think that is what's key, especially when we talk about our parents and getting our kids, the kids into earlier. So you was exposed to it early by participating in that. And I think that's what's key to help our kids and then guide them. So I'm glad you shared that um, experience. Now, going back to Melissa. In what ways have you contributed to projects or teams and what unique capabilities did you bring to it? So having worked in the engineering industry for over 20 years, I've seen a lot of projects. I've seen a lot of lessons learned, um, good and bad. So in addition to um, my background has really started with like brownfields redevelopment. So, you know, doing the early on assessments and studying of the soils and um, coupling that with my urban planning experience, I got kind of thrown into learning how to help municipalities and help private entities look for different types of grant funding and seeing what projects that they could go after various um, types of federal, state, local grant funding. And so that's something that I did when I worked for the municipality. And then I've kind of carried and honed that skill as I've come through the engineering consulting career that I've had. In addition to that, you know, learning how to help with environmental compliance from an industry standpoint, um, but then also helping different projects that Stanley's doing come into compliance with different federal, state, local regulations as far as, you know, coming into to compliance with those. And then also, um, you know, writing the large like environmental assessment documents that are sometimes required depending on the type of project. So, I feel like, again, wearing the multiple hats, you know, is is why I get the calls to to join the the larger, more complex projects um, here, especially at Stanley. And it's a good thing. You got 
you got a whole portfolio of skills. And so that's amazing to have that, uh, be multifaceted. So that's amazing that you have that, um, that you share that. So thank you um, for all that you're doing as far as the skills that you bring to the table. Now let's go to Kate. Let's talk about professional societies. Can you share how being involved in professional societies early in your career opened up opportunities for learning and advancement? Sure. So earlier I mentioned that um, professional societies are a great place for finding mentorship, but they're also a um, great opportunity to develop your leadership skills and show those strengths to peers and even our potential clients in our field. So I think joining committees is very important, particularly one that interests you and one that you want to learn about. And you don't necessarily have to enter as an expert, but it'll definitely help you grow into one. Do you have some examples just to throw out there, some professional organizations that maybe people may not know about that maybe you can, you know, partic you know participate in that maybe they can look into as well? Sure. So speaking to water and wastewater, um, every state or combination of states has a local AWWA chapter. And so you can get um, involved on a local level, each with individual committees. And then on a, you, again, you can get involved on a national level and participate in various uh, state and uh, national conferences. Uh, additionally, on the left side, um, Water Environment Federation, a lot of local chapters. And um, every year there's a fairly large conference called WEFTEC, uh, where you learn about the latest technologies and things that uh, different consultants are doing out there in that space. All with committees, all with, uh, you know, engineers who's been um, in, through a in different careers and uh, from young to uh, to senior. So great opportunity to mingle with other peers and uh, and leaders in the space. Love it, love it. Yeah, I was like, dive deeper. Tell us which ones, you know, we name them. But <laughs> so thank you for going dive deeper with them because there's so many out there. So it's good to know, I learn more about that one that you've just discussed. So thank you for sharing that. Now, Sarah, can you discuss some of the key challenges you faced in your engineer career and how you've overcome them. Sure, I'm gonna highlight a couple. I think our industry, especially on the consultant side, can really demand a lot of us. And those of us that are type A can be more inclined to keep giving and giving. Um, and ultimately that becomes non-sustainable. So I've really had to continually work to reprioritize and being able to identify when things aren't working and pivot is like not only good for me, but it also shows to others that it's okay to adjust and continue to balance. So I think that that is, you know, relevant to really everyone. And another challenge I've encountered more recently, and this is kind of speaking to the mentorship role that Kate has mentioned too, and, and why it really is so important. Um, as you get further and further into your career and you advance in leadership roles yourself, the pool of potential mentors really seems to decrease. Um, and so I really had to work through connecting with other professionals and make a really concerted effort to have that resource for myself and, and finding that sounding board within the industry. But going through that, it also makes it so that you understand how important it is to give back to the role of the world of engineers that are coming up and need that mentorship as well. That's it. I think that's the important part to, you know, paint it forward because you've been through the experience. So why not? give back and become a mentor as well. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Now let's go into back to Melissa. <laughs> Melissa, reflecting on your two decades of experience in engineering industry, you've been a part of the industry itself. What projects do you reflect on as highlights so far and why? 
That's a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say there, there's probably two that really stand out um, as kind of pivotal, I will say. And first was one of the projects that first came to me working for that municipality. It happened to be the municipality that I grew up in. I left and went to college, came back, um, started working for the city. This this problem, it was brownfield uh, redevelopment. It came to the city as uh, from a group of concerned citizens. And I was first taken aback because I had grown up in this community and did not even know that this site existed. And then to hear these community members that were so passionate about doing something about this site, um, really, it alarmed me that A, I didn't realize that this site had existed, and B, what a problem it really was. So you had this large industrial site, 22 acres under roof, that was nestled in a very high minority, low-income area. And when the industry was essentially done with this building, they just walked away. They declared bankruptcy and just left the building there. It was in shambles. Parts of it had fallen in. and it was literally in these people's backyards. It was adjacent to a very um, quaint little stream and um, was neighboring one of our municipal golf courses. And no one really knew it was there or you know, failed to do anything about it. So when this group, community group kind of got together and brought it to the city, we we're like, yep, obviously we need to do something about this. And so the further we got into it, um, again, it was a very large site. The city had some EPA, Brownfield's assessment money, so we assessed as much as we could. But the more we got into it, the the more the situation became concerning. Um, there was an underground plume. It was leaching away from the site. And so eventually the city had to say, like, wow, we are out of funding and, and approached the EPA. And the EPA actually had to step in and finish that assessment. But going to those community meetings... And seeing those people's faces and realizing, wow, this this is my backyard. These are these these are these people's backyards. They've had to deal with this for you know years and years, and nothing has been done about it. And it was, I mean, it angered me. It you know it engaged me. Um, and and from that point on, I was like, yeah, this cannot continue to go on. We need to do something about this. And so that really, kind of, you know, not to be coy, but lit that by that fire in my belly about moving forward and helping these communities, you know, seek this funding so that they can go after sites just like this. Um, and real quick, the the second site that really kind of was that pivotal moment in my career was I had recently moved to to the area away from the community I was working in, and I hadn't been here very long. And then the this flood of 08 hit 2008, and it devastated the community that I had, you know, recently moved to. And, you, you know, you, you join in because it's part of the community, right? You, you sandbag, you help people move things to higher ground, you do what you can. I directly was not impacted by this flood. But you, again, you see these people and it becomes so real. It's not just something you see on the TV or people talk about in the newspaper. It is, you know, you're knee deep in it, literally knee deep in it. And so for that point then, you know, and the great thing about that project was I got to see it kind of. I'm seeing it come full, full circle. I, I sandbagged. I helped people move their materials to higher ground. But now as part of the team at Stanley, I get to help 
be part of the solution, um, you know, building those pieces of that flood protection so that this doesn't happen again. So for me, that's just exciting to be part of that and just, you know, very proud moment in my career. Yes, it's always good to see the results of it and see what happens of it. And while you're going in, it's like it's an experience in itself. So um, thank you for sharing those two two experiences of projects um, to us. So let's go to Kate. <laughs> you know, Kate, in your experience, how to do diverse perspectives in problem solving lead to better outcomes in engineering projects? Sure. So I think the saying that, um, you know, two heads are better than one really is the case specifically when people are not like-minded. Um, and that's very applicable to how we problem solve on engineering projects. So I think providing the best solutions for our clients is our key goal in engineering consulting. And therefore, we need to bring more ideas to the table to do this. Every client and every problem is very different. And uh, bringing more viewpoints will help us bring more innovation. Um, it also reduces blind spots. I think that's probably the biggest thing you can find when you're just thinking on your own is, is not realizing um, some different perspectives that the client might be seeking. So uh, typically, really early on in a project during a planning phase, uh, we like to bring together teams to kind of look at all aspects uh, early on from how we should design and then throughout in terms of how we can value engineer and bring both great engineering value, but keep costs in perspective um, for, for our clients. Yes, that's always important. <laughs> definitely when you talked about, uh, yeah, when it comes to your client and the cost, so definitely um, important when it comes to So thank you for sharing that, the whole problem-solving side of things to lead. Sarah, talk to us. How has your leadership style evolved over time, and what key experiences shape this evolution? Yeah, as your career progresses, you're really exposed to a lot of types of leadership styles, both your leaders and your mentors. And I've been able to really identify kind of what resonates with me and apply those elements. And similarly, you know, what I didn't really enjoy and try to avoid that. Um, I kind of relate it a little bit to parenting for those of you who are parents. You know, um, people have a lot of advice on how to be parents and you just pick and choose the things that resonate with you. And that becomes kind of your style. Um, I kind of do that with leadership too. communication with my team and leaders will always be what drives my leadership style having an understanding of where people are coming from and how the situations change really provides me that opportunity to assess, problem solve, and respond with empathy and grace. You know, I think every time things kind of pivot, it's, you know, when there's different people coming into the workforce or, you know, COVID, I think was a really big change for a lot of us that were trying to manage teams remotely. You know, I've got a lot of um, younger staff coming in um, so kind of some generational changes there and just different communication styles and preferences and really being able to blend those and get those to work for the entire team have kind of been um, the bigger pieces of input that have shaped. Yes, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's true. It's constantly yeah. changing and there's so many different dynamics that's played a role with it. So you, you've hit some key aspects of it, of the changes and how we you know, had to deal with it. So thank you for sharing that. Now, these are kind of the last questions for you ladies. So Melissa, as we come back to you, how do you see the role and perception of non-engineers evolve in the engineering sector over the last 20 years? Um, that's that's a lot to, to bite off. Um, <laughs> but I will say that, 
you know, I, I guess I'm at a advantage in my opinion. Um, a lot of the people in the office that I work in are not engineers. We have a few, but I guess, you know, when I look at the other offices within Stanley, you know, they're heavy on the design engineering uh, role. And, and here we're more, you know, scientists, geologists, um, planners. So I think it's a little bit harder for me to even see how it's evolving. Cause like for here, we very much, you know, view ourselves differently than than other people may view us. But I will say that the projects are coming becoming far more complicated than they they have been in the past. You know, there's more regulations that you have to meet. Obviously, you know, we're being more sensitive to the environment. And so great. We have uh, a whole team here that can help you with that. And so it is taking that multidisciplinary team to accomplish, you know, these these goals, because, you know, it is Again, like Kate and Sarah have mentioned, you know, it takes all these different members working on their own tasks, but you need to be working on these collectively so that the, you know, the schedule keeps moving forward because clients don't like it when your project stops um, so that each member can can work on their specific task. So, um, and that's the good thing about like Steely um, and a lot of engineering companies They've really evolved into this solutions-oriented consulting role that ex- extends far beyond just design engineering. That's good. That's good. So let's go to Kate. Could you discuss a memorable mistake or challenge you made in your career and how you turned it into a shareable learning experience? Sure. I get you know what I'll, I recall. It's definitely not my worst, but it's probably. One of my first, when I was right out of college, I was learning to do site grading and I thought essentially putting a building on sort of a self-created peak of a mountain four feet above all the other buildings was the best uh, solution for draining you know, water away from the building. I remember, you know, my boss reviewing my design and there was a lot of rapid blinking going on. <laughs> so, um, since then, I've made, you know, probably many more and much bigger mistakes, but I think the important um, and shareable advice um, in this is that I learned not to beat myself up too badly when this happens because it takes away from the joy in, in your career. So, you know, mistakes are going to happen. And what I'm really working on is how to better react, respond, self-correct, and then additionally think about how do I adjust my situation, my team situation um, to find opportunities um, and, and give a room to catch some of these bigger mistakes based on some of these past lessons learned. That's good. That's good. Definitely. Everybody, we all have made mistakes. So <laughs> learning from them and how you, your perspective, I love how you shared that. Now, Sarah, is there one final piece of advice that you could give to young women who are considering engineering as a career? Yes. Get exposure. There are so many different types of STEM outreach and enrichment activities now. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to industry either. This may be more applicable to a, a collegiate level, but if you're not able to find a formalized internship program, consider job shadows, you know, just reaching out, seeing if you can get a glimpse of a day in the life of, you know, I think what we really want to emphasize is that we're really willing to give back and to find a way to usher in the next round of future engineers. It's amazing. Great advice. I think there's some great advice. So as we close out, thank you so much for being great guests. Does anyone have any ways that maybe you might want to share how people maybe can find you or get in touch with you? I always try to leave out with that. Is there any way that you would like to share? 
Sure. I would say LinkedIn um, is probably the easiest way. I think as our name maybe be popping up on this podcast, you can pretty easily find us associated with Stanley Consultants. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Everybody agrees. Love it. Y'all check everyone out on LinkedIn. <laughs> that is the spot to go for. That's for professionals. So thank you, ladies, for being great guests. Um, y'all are amazing and definitely gave some great gems. And I hope our listeners have been taking notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with inspiring women engineers, discussions about industry trends, and much more. Go to womenandengineeringpodcast.com where you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, may your engineering endeavors be as remarkable as the women who stories we're shared. Stay curious, keep innovating, and engineer a better future.